Coming up on the Parker Edison Project, this episode is about our different customs, how they define us, and how when put together, they make our city great. It's so rich. You just walk down the street and you see 10 different languages being spoken. You see people wearing hijabs, people wearing different ethnic wardrobes. You hear karaoke sung in Vietnamese down the street. It's so rich culturally. I kind of didn't know what that history, where does it come from? Did you know San Diego welcomes more refugees than any other California county? More than San Francisco, Sacramento, or L.A.? It kind of follows what civil war is going on in another part of the world. What area is suffering from genocide and war. And that's kind of how the neighborhood evolves. If you're from a faraway place, it's quite possible a school teacher could be your first real guide into this country. I'll talk to an educator on the front lines. We actually really try not to use the, the term refugee because it categorizes these students. There's so much more than refugees. And grab a cup of coffee be part of our experiment about how customs even play a part in our imaginations. Yo, what's happening? Welcome to Black Coffee. Uh, can I take your order? That's coming up next on the Parker Edison Project. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Put my name on this chair. yourself? Yeah. Oh, you, I, you, I see why you're here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Can we get you a drink or a, a wine or a beer or anything? You are now listening to the Parker Edison Project. From KPBS, this is the Parker Edison Project, where we look at the tenets of culture and what really makes America great. This episode is about customs, how they shape us and our perception of people outside of our culture. For someone moving to a new country or even city, their teachers can really shape their first impressions of this new culture. We'll start in City Heights, where a team of tutors are taking a holistic approach to educating a unique demographic. We'll speak to Robert, an educator facing the challenges of weaving American teaching practices and cultural understanding while welcoming an often overlooked population. Which, My name's which... Robert. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, who are you and what is SDRT? My name is Robert Lee. I'm on the board of directors for San Diego Refugee Tutoring. It's a organization that uh, supports students in the City Heights neighborhood of San Diego, uh, the refugee international population and our students. We support them uh, and address uh, educational and social injustice through um, holistic academic support. Do you know what inspired the conception of SDRT? What spawned it? San Diego is one of the largest city in California um, that resettles refugees, uh, more than San Francisco, more than L.A., more than Sacramento. And it has this very rich history of supporting the international refugee community. Yet uh, that story, that narrative, oftentimes is unnoticed amongst those who live in San Diego and those who um, kind of uh, call it their home. And now we reach out to more than 100 students and uh, we have tutoring every Tuesday and Thursday for these students uh, throughout the school year. 
that's wild impressive really it is is there something important about city heights like is there a special part the city heights plays yes actually i'm i'm from chicago and so i moved here about 12 years ago and when i came to san diego i really didn't know the history of san diego the history of the different neighborhoods of san diego and when i got connected with this organization the first year that it was incepted i realized that city heights is it's different it's so rich you just walk down the street and you see 10 different languages being spoken you see people wearing hijabs people wearing uh you know different ethnic wardrobes you hear different um, I hear karaoke sung in Vietnamese down the street. It's so rich culturally. I kind of didn't know what that history, where does it come from? One of the largest communities of refugees do resettle here in San Diego. And one of the reasons kind of traces back to the Vietnam War in the 1960s and 1970s, when a large number of Vietnamese refugees were brought into the California, San Diego area and the first neighborhoods that they started resettling in were uh, several neighborhoods, including City Heights. And that started the foundation of support groups, refugee resettlement organizations, um, and resources being anchored in that neighborhood to support initially the Vietnamese uh, community, but each generation, every couple of years, you start to see resettlement groups of different ethnicities, different cultures. It kind of follows what civil war is going on in another part of the world, what um, area is suffering from genocide and, uh, and war and, um, and discrimination. And that's kind of how the neighborhood evolves. Wow. The first thing that makes me that I get kind of excited right there. <laughs> uh, when you're dealing with that type of variety with so many different cultures, what are some of the techniques that are used in, in the program to kind of unify the learning process? It's a challenge and we really do have to factor in a child's national, cultural uh, and, and even family history of trauma that have really tragically kind of occurred with a lot of these students and these families. And that trauma follows the students into the classroom. And that mental health aspect is an even more complex component. Um, some of the students haven't gone to, to school prior to coming to the States. Some have. We have to ask the question constantly, how do we navigate through that to, to uh, enhance uh, their educational experience and then help them thrive educationally which is ultimately our goal absolutely what's the average success rate for refugee students in the city right now pause between you and me that was a loaded question i know what the numbers are and they're bleak city heights has a very high poverty rate nearly 40 percent of its residents are living below the poverty line there's nearly a 30 percent dropout rate for refugee students Look around the room you're in. However many people are in there, subtract a third. That's what's happening regularly to classrooms with refugee students. I, I think success is probably a very, very relative term as far as what are our goals. Uh, and I think success is creating a place where the students can come and feel uh, safe and protected and loved and having them come back uh, to, uh, to see us. I think that's the biggest success. There's something really special about these students. 
we actually really try not to use the, the term refugee because it categorizes these students. They're so much more than refugees. They're uh, bundles of joy. They are students and kids and children who are witty, who love to laugh, who um, desire you know, friendship, who desire relationship. It just melts your heart. And at least for me, that's what happened. Sounds like you invest in the students and they invest in you. And then that's the biggest priority. And then from that, you can add education in any subject. Yes, exactly. We really, we realize that if a student meets a different tutor every week, there's that awkwardness and timidness and intimidation maybe of working with a different person and not knowing them. And so those are barriers as well with a student really being able to feel comfortable and let down their guards and really be able to focus on their, on their school and their learning. Are there other organizations that are offering these similar services? There are, and they're, they're absolutely wonderful. I kind of mentioned some of the resettlement organizations in the community, in the area. For example, uh, the IRC. The, uh, the International Rescue Committee. And there are a lot of other wonderful organizations. I just met somebody uh, from a new organization. They've been around for a year and a half called uh, New Vision Urban Impact. Uh, 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 City Heights Runners is, is a group that really focuses on um, high schoolers, um, urban life. Um, Ministries is a faith-based organization that kind of pours into teens. Star Pals is an organization sponsored by uh, the, the San Diego Police Department. All these organizations um, are kind of part of a team effort, and um, but you know the, the the needs are great, and the you know the workers are few. So we're definitely Oof. hoping. How do you help to encourage or maintain the cultures among students? That's a great question. We want to respect each student and family and share with them how valued uh, they are as individuals and as people. I've seen what you guys do and it's, this was an awesome opportunity to get to hear more about it. So I'm I'm super excited to put this down. Thanks so much. I, I heard you went to Hoover for a little while too, just down the street from here. I did. I did. I was only there for, uh, I think I did maybe half a, like a half semester of 10th grade. And then I did continuation school. So, you know, you know, the area. And so, you know, what, uh, you know, what, um, what it's, what, what it looks like and how it feels and the vibe and, um, and, uh, it's just really cool and such an honor that, um, for, for you to allow us to just talk about it. The term culture shock refers to the difficulty students can have fitting in. As humans, we depend on customs to define who we are, and without them, we get lost. So if you're from a faraway place, it's quite possible a school teacher could be your first real guide into this new country. By creating an environment of inclusion, educators not only provide new citizens with a space to thrive, they set a standard of understanding that ultimately reinforces the idea that all are truly welcome. As always, I'm interested in your feedback. Send me your thoughts and insights. I'm at Parker Edison on Twitter. That's P-R-K-R-E-D-I-S-O-N. Also, if you'd like to volunteer or learn more about San Diego Refugee Tutoring, send them an email at sandiegorefugeetutoring.com. There's a link in the show's description. And hang out. I'm going to grab a cup of coffee and I'll be right back to demonstrate how customs even play a part in our imaginations. Stay tuned. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. I love you. I think I always will. Even now, I'm reeling from the effect that you have on the rest of my life. I'm different now. As badly as I want to feel the heat between us, I know exactly how this is going to end. Now streaming at PlatformCollection.com is the new film short, Run Rick, a who's who of San Diego talent. Brought to you by the good people at Platform Collection. You are now listening to the Parker Edison Project. Yo, what's happening? Welcome to Black Coffee. Uh, can I take your order? Yeah, let me get a, let me get a, let me get a, um, let me get a, um, an Americano with two ice cubes. Cool. Can I have your name, please? Jack. All right, we'll have your order in a little bit. Thank you. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm all right. Welcome to Black Coffee. Can I take your order? I would like a large ice mocha with an added shot whipped cream, and caramel drizzle. Uh, would you like a gluten-free sweet potato pie muffin to go with that? Uh, no, thank you. You sure? Positive. All right, can I have your name, please? My name is Casey. Can you spell that? C-A-Y-C-E-E. All right, we'll have your order in a second. Have a good day. Thank you. Next. Um, all right, let me see. Can I, what is this? How about your, yeah, let me get the peppermint mocha flat latte. Can I get that with like soy milk? You got soy here? Yeah. And can I have your name? Uh, yeah, it's Kaj, C-A-S-J. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we'll have you order in a little bit. Would you like anything else? Uh, no, that's all. Cheers. All right. Have a good one. Can I take your order? We have a long line. Yes, you can. Um, can I get a chai tea latte? Um, easy on the sure. ice, please. All right. Can I have your name? Dolph Lowe. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll get your order and be out to you in a second. Let's try an experiment. I'm going to play back the drink orders, and I want you to picture the scene. And from what you see in your head, tell me who's black. Let me get a. Let me get a. Um. Let me get a. Um. An americano. With two ice cubes. Yes, I would like a large ice mocha with an added shot. How about your, yeah, let me get the peppermint mocha flat latte. Can I get that with like soy milk? And, got soy um, here. Can I get a chai tea latte um, easy on the ice, please? So, what'd you imagine? Hand gestures? Hairstyles? Our minds make movies off the things we hear. We usually use customs to fill in the missing details. Let's hear where our customers are from and find out just how close your mental picture was to real life. My name is Casey, but I go by Busy Balboa. I'm originally from Valdosta, Georgia, currently in San Diego, California. Hey, I'm poetic. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, in California. So my name is Cash, and I am originally from Washington, D.C., uh, via England and Greece and some other places, and then right on back here. My name is Adolfo. I'm from New York City, but my mother and father were born and raised in the Dominican Republic. For the record, they're all black. I'll let Doflo break it down for you. I'm putting this, this segment together because there's this, this big discussion about uh, custom and culture and uh, 
the terms like black and African-American, when it comes to those, how do you describe yourself? Black. I would describe myself as a black. Why? The history. My history. The history of my people. The history of my culture. What was done to us. That whole African-American thing doesn't ring with me. Why? Just the terminology and... I don't know, it just, it just feels weird when, oh, are you an African-American? It's like, no, I'm black. I don't know, to me, it's, there's a stigma to it. I agree. That's a term that white Caucasians use to make themselves feel at ease because I believe to them that word black has a deep, deep history that they don't want to look back upon. So African-American is the easier way for it to roll off their tongue without having to do like any mental research to what we really are. Black is complex. The term African-American doesn't acknowledge all the places slaves were trafficked from. Whether accidental or not, this hinders descendants of slaves from connecting with their roots. It also lets early traffickers gloss over some rather nasty past actions. I think these days, black is less a physical description and more an emotional one. Black, as in blackout a condition that affects the memory. Characterized by a sense of loss, it impairs your ability to form new memories. I think that's the black Doflo is using and the stigma that the term African-American skirts. It just dawned on me. It's like, it's a racist word to them and they know it. There's a stigma attached to the word black. African-American, not much of a stigma. There's less thing to that. I never even thought that. To be like, that's a that's an easier umbrella to kind of fit everybody in. It's a it's a, it's a safe, which is like kind of ignorant to me because you got to ask yourself, okay, well, where did they come from and how did they get there? We're not all Americans. I'm sorry, that's that's factual. And we're not all African. We don't all come from Africa. Maybe that's part of it too. Exactly, and that, go, that goes back to your original question. Are you black or are you African-American? We have regional habits like the way we dress or speak, and they become customs. We get a bunch of customs, and those become a culture that we pass on for decades, sometimes centuries. This is a tangent, but numbers are in order by their value. The number two is between one and three because there's no other way to get from one to three. But letters? We just sing them in that order. The song we sing the ABCs to was written in the 1800s. 200 years ago, somebody was able to remember the alphabet in that order, and we've been teaching it that way ever since. That's how quickly customs are created and how long they can last. Speaking of customs, here at the Parker Edison Project, it's customary to feature a new musical guest. Well, this episode's a twofer. We got musician and podcast host Busy Balboa talking with artist Orange Space about his recent foray into music. Apparently it started when his speech therapist recommended singing as a tool. It's mad interesting. Check out this clip. Thanks for tuning into the Parker Edison Project. This is your girl Busy Balboa of the Get to Know Me podcast. And we're joined today with Orange Space, a recording artist out of San Diego, California. Hey guys, doing? Yeah, so my name is uh, Orange Space um, with, with a J. Um, I'm originally from... In- in Pura Valley, California. I've been living here for two and a half years now. I'm 22. For a long time, I went by um, Ricky Garcia, which is just my real name. The reason for it to be Orange Space was I'm a very visual person, and I kind of put myself in a very creative 
and a visual mind space when I'm making music. And it's always very like a, a colorful kind of kind of experience. And um, my my favorite color is orange. I feel like at that time, the, the the my songs and everything that I was doing, the mood that that was in was all kind of in an orange tone and an orange like feel. And I couldn't really explain it, but I knew that that was the, that was the uh, direction that I was going in. When did you realize that music is something that you wanted to pursue? I've been playing instruments and, and stuff like that since the fourth grade. I didn't know that I wanted to pursue it until I was six, 16. I was always doing music in the background, and it was something that I was doing like it was for fun. And I realized that, you know, doing music was... It, it was like the only, it was one of the only things that like made me feel like I had some kind of potential and like value. In what ways did the speech therapy help you with the singing? Speech therapy, it was something that I wouldn't say like it necessarily like took it away, obviously. Um, it definitely helped me understand why I stuttered and it, helped, it definitely helped me understand like how how it works and 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 um so when it comes to the music um i think i was like in i was in high school and my speech therapist she had said like you know to say these sentences in the form of a song in the rhythm of a song and so that's when I, she was like so you realize that you know when you're singing when you're talking it's completely different even though i'm using my voice the speech side of it is from the left side of the brain and the music aspect of it is on the right side of the brain and they're totally they totally work they totally work uh differently i think now i guess i i, just, I still very much do uh stutter but now i've learned kind of small ways to get around it and so yeah could you tell us a little bit about the song that we're about to hear and you know the story behind it yeah so uh this song is called uh this song is called Zoom, and it came out in October. It's something that kind of just reflects on my life in the past uh, two two years and a half. So yeah. Where can we find you? My Instagram is orange space orange uh, orange spelled O R A N J E S P A C E orange space. That's my Instagram. That's my Twitter. You can find me on Spotify under the same name Apple. Apple also, everything's going to be under Orange Space. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Orange Space, Zoom. Sick in those days, I can barely see. Back in 03, everything was free. Like a heart attack, never made a beat. Fast forward to year 17. Now I'm 21 and living on my own. So I had to turn apartments into homes. Got friends that I never would have known. Side of me that I never would have shown. Speed in a thousand miles per hour, now where I speak chasing. They won't catch us yet. I had a dream that I made God we had a conversation. So where do we go from here? You might have seen me downtown the other night. Big city, long way from selling lights. I've been thinking about you every time I close my eyes. Thinking about you, thinking about you, close my eyes. And nowadays I've been trying to keep focus. It's time my second lease in the city. I left on this. It was hard for me to go, but I never felt like home. Falling in line. Apologize if it seems like I left you behind. 
Thanks for stopping in. The Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison, and the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, visit theparkeredisonproject.com or hit us on Instagram at the PE Project. My guy, Kurt Conan, is audio production manager. Kinsey Moore Lynn is my favorite podcast coordinator. Lisa J. Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is associate general manager for content. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Content Fund. I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. Y'all stay safe out there. This episode goes out to Marcus Cutfather Tufono, Zev Love X, King Ghidorah, Victor Vaughn, and Metal Face, the mother mucking supervillain. Salute. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.